Hi everyone, it's Bill Smith from the Classic Camera Revival. We've got a really special episode today. I want to welcome Becca Peterson from Northern Film Collective. But before we get there, we got a roll. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. And we're back. Just to give everyone a, a, a quick refresher, if you don't know the sound of my voice, my name is Bill Smith. I am a co-host of the Classic Camera Revival. And today we have on the podcast as well, my friend Chrissy. Hi. And of course, our special guest, Becca Peterson. Hi, Becca. How are you doing? Hey, I am great. How are you doing? Oh, it's a fabulous, well, aside for it being rather damp outside, it's actually a nice day. So, yeah. um... For those who are on Instagram, uh, just a quick sort of intro. Uh, the hashtag Northern Film Collective appeared just a few short years ago. And today we get to talk to the woman who's behind the hashtag and the community that it, it spawned. So without further ado, Becca, this is going to be one of those classic, nasty, open-ended questions they ask in job interviews. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> uh, all right. Well... Um, I hate job interviews, so thanks, but no. Um. Let's <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll try this again. This is a I'm classic uh, question from every podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> a job interview implies you're going to be compensated for something. You're just going to get free aggravation, so knock yourself out. Exposure dollars. <laughs> I need more exposure bucks, so this is great. Um, <laughs> well, I'm Becca. I've been living in grown... Uh, let me start again. Born and raised in Toronto um, and surrounding areas my whole life. Uh, started getting into photography. Well, I guess since high school, I've been into photography. I used to shoot a lot of disposable cameras back then. Uh, I remember taking a digital photography class in high school and not caring for it and all the photoshopping that was involved. Um, and about five years ago, I was gifted uh actual film camera and since then i've been shooting a lot of film gotten to medium format last year um so mostly has been 35 millimeter until last year um and then in 2019 i started northern film collective as a way to connect canadian film photographers and meet people and stuff and then of course you know pandemic happened so meeting people hasn't um occurred as much as i'd like it to but i mean this is this is great. I'm meeting you guys this way and making it work. So yeah, that's the, the gist to begin with. Oh, and again, it's a, it, that's the one thing I, I got in it. Same sort of way. I think a girlfriend at the time in the late nineties gave me like a couple of disposable cameras to play with. And we just farted around. And then my, you know, we all sort of fell into it. Either we started off in high school or younger and then came back to it as sort of a hobby to get, you know, distract yourself from work or you'll just work yourself to death. I think when I sort of got into it to A, find my own tribe of other film photographers out there, because this is like the early 2000s, digital was in its ascendancy and everyone's going, hey, look at my new D, D90. And uh, it's sort of like you wanted to find your, your own tribe. And back then it was sort of... Uh, discussion boards which you know can be its own like tar pit of nastiness depending on the, the the personalities and sadly it hasn't changed all that much but i think over the years uh, it's sort of building photography getting involved classic camera revival and later the toronto film shooters you sort of build community and we're always sort of looking at a ways to try and strengthen it further as we go deeper into the 21st century how have you found northern film collective sort of broadening your your community as it sort of time grinds on so to speak as we're in the interesting times as i'd like to call it yeah um so what i i just want to say about like the film photography community in general is like the most welcoming like supportive community of it like it's crazy and i don't think you could find that in the digital um world in the same way like it's and something like about film too is i don't know the experimental 
side of it, which I guess you can do. Like digital photography has its place, of course. Um, but yeah, there's something about film that just keeps you coming back for more, despite the mistakes and the cost or whatever. It's all, it just, mm. yeah, it really hooks you in a way that it's hard to describe. And the community, like, so the community aspect of it is obviously a, a big factor in why you keep coming back to it too, right? Um, and with the collective, it's been crazy, especially so now that I've made a book and sold it when I, so I did the local pickup option and obviously I met people outside masks and, but it was that so far has probably been my favorite experience is meeting all these people and handing them the book and seeing their excitement and then having that chat, um, and seeing those people and their face to face. And yeah, make, I've made so many friends through Instagram as well. Mm. Right. Like, like, you know, I would never would have been here speaking to you guys if it wasn't for Instagram. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. So the book, uh, for those who uh, aren't aware, the Northern Film Collective put together an anthology, which Becca spearheaded the production side of it, along with some help with some friends. But sadly, it's sold out. (laughs) (laughs) And again, I, I have an idea of what you went through. I do not envy that process whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it ended up, and I had never done anything like this before. And I, I designed it from scratch using InDesign. So I taught myself how to use the software. I took submissions and I, I did most of it on my own. Like the, so I did have a little bit of help. And actually my sister did a lot of editing for the the coffee of the book. Mm-hmm. She is experienced in that. So, but the design and the like most of it was, and like, I did have some help from friends and just, uh, you know, pieces of advice, but it it took a lot longer than I expected it to. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, like I took submissions last year and like, I think it was August that I closed submissions and then the book wasn't released until February of this year. So designing it and getting it printed and all that does, it was, it did take some time but it's like a it's like uh because i was taking a look at the book earlier and it's like a very like it's like a thick book so yeah. i'm not surprised that it took <laughs> you a long time it's very well done i love the layout of it it's like simple and it's like very clean which i don't know Thank that you. makes sense at all but like i think it's just like very like lovely some Thank advice you. some advice from someone who did catalog production many many moons ago hold on to that template yeah You're planning <laughs> a second one because i i can tell you for from we because I because I said full disclosure I submitted four photos in actually that's pretty on par for a a hard copy book in terms of like lead time getting it done like if anything with today's publishing technology as in the printing side of it it's probably even way faster because I remember when doing a catalog it in the past it's like yeah you got to start a year in advance yeah. So, I mean, I've learned now that I will, so it'll be this, I plan on doing this yearly. There will be mm-hmm. a second volume. So probably this summer I will take submissions again and it probably won't be released until the beginning of next year. But now I have a bit of a timeline and I know a bit better what I'm doing. And yeah. And for us, for the template, I tried to design it kind of like, like a old photo book of Canada, right? Like I took inspiration mm. from, I went like books I found at thrift stores that are, photo books from like the 50s and 60s right so um yeah i don't know if i will do the same layout again we'll see maybe there'll be a theme for the next one still working out those those ideas Ideas. makes sense all i'm gonna say is have earmark some friends who know what they're doing and lean on lean into them when you need especially for your sister who knows their way her way around copywriting because it just then you can just focus on how do i make the visual puzzle work. Just advice. Yeah, no, unsolicited. thank you. <laughs> unsolicited. <laughs> unsolicited, because believe me. I'll take all there, advice. I hear it. Been there, done now. that. Don't need the souvenir <laughs> coffee mug. So, so, so Bill, you're you're uh, volunteering yourself as a... Oh, <laughs> I, I have a gut feeling I'm going to get a message from Becca in a few months. Hey, Bill, what are you doing? <laughs> 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 okay, yeah, I can... I, I mean, yeah, and it was a lot of fun too, right? Like the mm. yes, it was time consuming, and uh, but I had a lot of fun doing it. I think it was a great experience, and like I, I definitely will do it again. So, so with the Northern Film Collective, granted, it sort of like gestated and sort of came to life during the COVID times. Do you foresee 
once vaccines have been rolled there to significant amount, like say 60, 70% of the population gets vaccinated, do you foresee in-person events happening? Yeah, I mean, my initial goal was to do that. And I started, it was, I believe it was October 2019 when I made the first post. So it was just a few months before COVID really hit. Um, mm. And I, I had been talking about doing like meetups and photo walks and that sort of stuff. And then it just didn't seem reasonable or safe to do that. So I think mm. down the line, for sure, uh, I would like to do in-person events when it's okay. feasible. When it, well, yeah, when everyone feels safe yeah. to do so. Exactly. Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat uh, with both the Classic Camera Revival and the Toronto, because we're our sort of sister group, the Toronto Film Shooters. It was all in-person events yeah. basically stopped in its tracks. Well, actually, we had one event late February last year that was probably one of the best attended we ever had. I think we had like about 25 people. No, and I, I, don't, I never got a chance to get out to one myself. I had been planning to. I was like, oh, I'll wait till the warmer weather. And then. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is getting warmer. Fun. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. 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 So, uh, so you've sort of created this community. And again, it's sort of at some point, well, everyone will probably be coming in person. But as you as a personal photographer, like what. Uh, Again, we are a gear-focused podcast, uh, and sort of process yeah. in that. Uh, what's your favorite camera? My favorite camera is probably the T- the Canon T ninety that was gifted to me, um, actually by a boyfriend at the time, um, five six years ago. It's the main thirty five millimeter camera I use. Uh, it's an SLR, but it's it's got a great light metering system, and you can do a lot with it. And it's a it's quite a large body, but it's never let me down. I just, I, and I, because it was my first like real camera, I think I'll always go back to it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's probably my favorite camera. Yeah. Interesting. Oh. The T90s weren't made for that long and it's not usually in the Canon FD system. I think everyone kind of says, what's your favorite? And it's like, Oh, I want, you know, and, and, and Margaret's like AE one mm-hmm. or, or, or uncle Charlie's a one or, you know, or the rare, freak it has the pro body f ones like me they're built like boat anchors and can use as a handheld defensive weapon if you run out of film but a t90 (laughs) is an interesting beast because it's sort of like it was that transition from the old manual focus fd bodies to the old electronic everything eos yeah yeah, and, and it's it, still manual focus. And, and that's, I like that you can use the old FD lenses with it as well. Yeah. And the other big bonus is it takes what? Double A batteries? Yep. Double A batteries. Bonus. Yeah. yeah. So well, in terms of like function and value for your dollar, it's a really excellent choice because it, it's yeah, a great yeah. camera. And it's built in mm-hmm. motor drive. Yeah. 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 So that was one thing too, after using it for a long time and then getting a more manual camera and messing up the loading a few times, but. Oh, which uh, is the more manual camera? Uh, well, I have um, uh, a couple different, I, I recently started using Olympus OM1. That my oh, uh, a classic. Uncle. Yeah. <laughs> you, we I have fans it. here. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're amongst friends. Yeah. See, John oh, is doing his happy dance back there. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah uh, I have a little black body. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The big advantage of those ones and compared to say the T90, if you're, if you're traveling, what would you rather have? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, small little, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a lot of point and shoots and stuff too, but um, yeah, no, I, I've been really enjoying the Olympus. So talk to us a little bit about, you said you got into medium format last year. Um, how have you found yeah. it compared to 35 millimeter? Have you found it sort of your process changing a little bit when you're using it or? Are you uh, I, world? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like looking like down at that waist level viewfinder for the first time is pretty crazy. Right. And you're like, it's reversed and you're like trying to figure out which way to point it and probably look a little silly because <laughs> um the way it's mirrored but um yeah it, it's a t- it's a it's a different experience right and then the quality of the images is uh is it's really cool i love shooting that thing i have a bronica sqa that i bought off someone on a solid workhorse yeah yeah um 
And it was great too, because it came with a guy had like multiple lenses and backs for it and different viewfinders. Uh, oh, you're set. Yeah. Yeah. He came with like a Polaroid back. I mean, trying to find that film to shoot with is hard, <laughs> but. Um, Talk to Chrissy. <laughs> <laughs> I might be boarding some right now. Yeah, really? <laughs> the guy I bought it off also had um, a pack of pack film. I've since shot. I gave it to Merlin, as you know. We all he know Merlin. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and he shot it. Um, but yeah, yeah, been really enjoying that camera as well. It's, it's a great camera. I actually, uh, back in the 90s, I used to use, that was my primary wedding camera. And like, again, value, I could back then, I mean, I lusted after a Hasselblad, but um, no way in the world I could afford one back then. Yeah. And uh, the quality of the glass, the Zenzanon glass, and a lot of that glass, I think was actually some of it was, um, was Nikkor glass. So very, very high quality, really like just excellent sharpness and like great, like out of focus areas were nice and soft, really just solid, solid camera. I'd hang on to that. The prices of oh, those yeah. things these days are just astronomical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially if you want to do the house of plant or something, but that's, that was me. I was like, will I get a Mamiya or something? And then I, uh, it was actually Merlin again, had let me borrow his Bronica because he was mm. like, Oh, you want to get into medium format? Why don't you ch- try this out and see how you like it? And I fell in love with the camera and then I was just set on purchasing one. And and so I found one and it was a great deal. I drove out to Peterborough to meet this guy mm. and pick it up. And he, it's funny, he's, uh, he used to use it for weddings and stuff as well. But he was like, he's a bit of an older guy. And I don't think he realized that people were still, he was like, oh, people still use these things. Like, and I'm like, oh, yes, it's make, made a resurgence mm. for sure. So, yeah. so it's, fu- it's funny when, when, when somebody tempts you into medium format. It's, in my case, it was my brother. He loaned me his Rolleiflex Automat. First time around, I shot a roll FP4. I scanned it. Okay. Second time you loaned it to me, I, I I spent more time with it. And all of a sudden, it's like, yes, I need a twin lens reflex really bad. See, I've never, I don't have any TLRs. I've, it's something I have not shot. Uh-oh, you triggered some gas there. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> like one of us will lend you one to try. That it's like- <laughs> yeah, it's the classic. The first one's free, kid. <laughs> as John would say. Yeah, it, it's again TLRs is sort of TLRs versus SLR system cameras. Again, it also evokes a different style of shooting because it's a hell of a lot more portable and also a lot more quiet. So, oh yeah. Whereas oh, the Veronica, you announced it's, a, it's that's universe. a big Hi. flappy noise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's got song. Hi, I'm here. Yeah, even the T90 is loud. Yeah, uh, for sure. It's the 1980s. For yeah. Sure. I love my 80s cameras. What can I say? There you go. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing <laughs> yeah. wrong with it. I've yeah. got a bunch of 80s SLRs upstairs myself. Yeah. Uh, talk. Um, so you, you sort of shoot a lot of 80s gear. Do you prefer shooting color or black and white? I I like both. I do shoot more color, I would say, than black mm. and white. Um, but I I shoot both. Uh, color, I just can't can't beat color film. But Mm. There, there is a classic feel to black and white that sometimes uh, you're looking for as well. I did. I don't develop a lot of my own. I have developed some of my own black and white only. So I've never tried yeah. developing color. So I've been trying to shoot more black and white. So that way I can develop it myself. And I've got a scanner too. So I'm trying to learn doing all that, the software. And I've again, not tried scanning color yet, only black and white. So um, I have been more into black and white recently, but mm generally i've always shot a lot more color any like uh, films that you kind of kind of gravitate more towards i like i like part of my favorite thing about shooting film is trying all the different film stocks so like i will i i try different film all the time and i don't really i do prefer like i guess higher iso film stocks like i do shoot a lot of like lomo 800 and portra and like cinestill is obviously great but yeah i'll shoot anything yeah yeah, I've heard good things about the. I've heard really good things about the Loma 800, and it, unfortunately, it's never in stock because it sells out so fast. Cause, yeah, I think like, I've got a roll sitting in the fridge right now. But yeah, I'd yeah save that for a special day. Well, not yeah. too long because it's a it'll go short dated on you, and well. gamma rays will do a number on it. But um, yeah, it, it, it's. I heard it was like 
the rumor I heard around the campfire is Loma 800 is repackaged Kodak 800 from a from a, one of those sort of disposable cameras. Oh, that's the rumor. Every okay. taking everything with a grain of salt, the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to lamography, because we just we have an idea where some of the stuff comes from, but other stuff, it's like. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. No, and you hear that about a lot of stuff too. People are always like, well, same with like Sinistil, right? It's like repackaged Kodak as well, right? And it's actually Eastman <laughs> motion picture stock. So yeah. you're using the same stuff that Quentin Tarantino and Christopher Nolan mm. are using. So say, for example, you're using Sinistil 800. That's going to be the same film stock that say Quentin Tarantino is using on his interior work for one of his movies yeah because it's tungsten cool. balance but yeah i haven't shot i love since still 800t i haven't shot a lot of it i haven't shot any of it in 35 mil but 120 oh yeah oh boy long exposure night photography with 120 since still 800t is just gorgeous yeah and it's another one that's also always sold out so yeah especially in 35 but but yeah night yeah people love shooting nighttime and their their 50d is great too i like the daylight stuff as well i've shot with it too in the past i was just thinking if you want to try one really neat black and white emulsion that's 100 iso the lomo potsdam i i have shot that before yeah um i like that one as well i, I like most of lomo's film like even the the loma chrome is it's another film like the purple every time you shoot like you see other people work work in uh purple lomachrome and i'm like oh that's so cool like i want to shoot it and then i shoot it myself and i'm like i kind of wish i just used a regular film for this but yeah. <laughs> it's but, like well, you sit there going... the metropolis is when i shot the metropolis i kind of felt the same way i was like well it's kind of cool i guess but like it's uh, uh, yeah um, yeah i had that experience too with metropolis it was sort of like i, I ran it through one of my rolly flexes on a bright sunny day it was early in the pandemic. I think we, everything just sort of reopened so I can just go to Burlington camera to get it processed. Mm. But it was like one of those, I got the results back. I scan and going, okay, sure. I guess. Yeah. What's the yeah. novel? Yeah. It, it sort of had mm. a weird sort of green retro yeah. color cast. And it's like, I kind of like the retro look of Kodak color plus. Mm, yeah. The Color Plus is really that's nice. a good. That's I'm a great old enough film. to remember like, the eighties yeah. the first time around. <laughs> <laughs> at, at the risk of dating myself, uh, <laughs> if only they could make Color Plus in one twenty. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. No, I, I, I love Color Plus too, and that's another film I didn't try for a long time, and I tried it, and I was like, "Why haven't I been shooting this?" It's yeah. Um, and the same, and back to the, the Metropolis, I have shot that once, but and I sort of felt the same way. It was like. But then looking back, like when I saw them, I was like, eh, I don't know how I feel about this. But then looking back at the images, I actually really like those images. I, I shot a roll of that. I had found this like old abandoned pool house in like Fort Erie with a friend when we were like on a trip. And, nice. and so the images turned out pretty cool, especially with that, because that has that retro feel as well. So, mm. so what's your favorite subject matter to shoot? Like I, I've, you, you tend to lean more towards urban environments, but again, I, Again, it's sort of living in Toronto, so that's it's easy. You just roll out of the apartment and going, okay, what am I going to attack today? Well, exactly, right? It's, uh, definitely, uh, environment plays a huge part in that. Um, so I and I do live in Toronto, but I do like urban decay and uh, mm -hmm. empty spaces. Um, the anything that creates that sort of sense of human absence or abandonment. I like creating images like that. Um, and like, obviously if I were able to travel right now, I'd be taking pictures of those things too. But right now I'm sort of limited to walk around my neighborhood and just shooting whatever catches my eye. Yeah. I think that's what we're all doing at this point in time. Uh, I think I've ventured this year is like Guildwood Estates in Scarborough for this. East. Right. Like I go to my yeah. brother's neighborhood on occasion because it's a, a safe neighborhood in terms of like, the pandemic sort of kind of and i feel safe in that area because i know where i can go where i'm not gonna run into a crowd of people mm. but i found last year i have been shooting a lot of landscape work because i'm lucky where i live i just drive north half hour i'm in the countryside yeah 
I mean, I suppose Ontario is like that too. You don't have to go far out of the city to be in the country. No. It's not, yeah. No. Yeah. And I, I try to stay within my region because it's again, you know, with yeah. the pandemic and if you show up with like, you know, plates of an Oakville car dealership and you're in another part of the province, yeah, I could get a little uncomfortable. Uh, Mm-hmm. that's why as much as I'd love to go up to Northern Muskoka, it's like, no, nope, not yet. Yeah. And it's that, that's just the reality and it's, and it's playing out, not just here, but also elsewhere in North America and Europe, Oceania. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's exactly. We're all in the same boat. Right. So, yeah. And trying, I guess, to experiment more with like things like self portraiture and right. Mm-hmm. Like what I can do at home and, still life yeah i think everyone's been sort of milking the still life bandwagon yeah until the the skies (laughs) until the temperatures have improved or you know or layered up and gone outside in the winter because again winter photography it's if you know what you're doing it looks gorgeous and it's just like it just comes down to the exposure but again a lot of people kind of i don't like the cold yeah, yeah well, those and my thing is, and it's hard to, to, you know, operate a camera with gloves on and stuff. So <laughs> your hands are freezing out there and mm-hmm. you, I'm, I'll be honest though, I don't, even with my night photography, I very rarely do, like, I, I do most of it handheld. I, I rarely take a tripod out with me and I shoot at like 30 or 60 frames and uh, just hold the camera steady. But I have been meaning to go out and you know, bring the tripod and do some proper long exposures. Um, and I have, I just don't do it very often, but you see those images and you're like, gosh, I need to just take the time and go do that. But mm, and I'll well, get there maybe when it warms up, but we'll see. <laughs> well, it's funny with night photography, I do it two different ways. Like again, the long exposure with since still 800T and a medium format camera on a sturdy tripod, the nine seconds at F16, or alternately, I'll push some black and white film to 1600 ISO, put a wide angle lens on a camera, and then just go shoot urban environments. Yeah. And both are equally valid, both gorgeous results. It just sort of, you mix it up the best way you can, depending on, well, what you have access, have access to neighborhood-wise when you're shooting. Because you, of course, want enough light so you can get something onto that film plane yeah well and that's the thing too is with night photography it's going and finding that light right where you're searching for the light and the Mm -hmm. to create those images right and i think i kind of like that look of the surrounding underexposed like the dark areas right when you're all you're really seeing is because i I mean that's that's what i'm looking for right is that beautiful Mm. light to be captured but yeah there's definitely something to say about the longer exposures that yeah maybe maybe some night uh some star photography some astro photography in the future oh yeah that's a that's a specific skill set in its own right and uh all i'm going to say is look for really wide angle lenses yeah all right i remember that and again more lomo 800 okay or portrait, you might be better off with portrait because you need the latitude. Yeah, yeah. That's from what point. I understand from people who shoot it digitally and they do it well, yeah. you need a wide angle lens, you have to open it wide open and you've got to like, anything longer than 30 seconds, you're gonna start getting star trails. Mm. Okay. From what I understand, I have never done it myself. Yeah. Generally, when astrophotography, I'm so far north, I can see the Milky Way, and I'm more inclined just lie back on the dock and just take it all in. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Imprinted on your brain. So, do you have this when you get the tripod and let the tripod like do its do thing? The work. Then you lie down and enjoy <laughs> for that 30 seconds. Exactly. Um, a, well, we are, where would you like? Again, you said urban exploration. Is there a de- particular destination you'd like to check out at some point? Um, if we if we if we can magically make you know borders disappear at least temporarily, and it's safe to do so. Uh, well, I'd I'd like to uh, travel more of the U.S. Uh, mm. for sure. That's something I'd been um, so last year with a friend. We had been before COVID. We had all been. We'd been planning a road trip across the U.S. and then 
that never happened. So one day I'd like to do that. And I would definitely bring a camera or a few. <laughs> yeah, that's probably you're in particular smart. in the US. So you're like, had your eye on? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a few different places, like Southern states, Texas would be like, I haven't been to a lot of the states. I've always wanted to go to Illinois as well. Um, mm-hmm. San Francisco. I've never even been to California. So yeah, I've, I've been to like Michigan, uh, Florida and New York and that's it. So there's a lot of, a lot of places. Uh, and also across Canada, I I've been to BC and Quebec, mm-hmm. but the rest I haven't seen. And that's another thing I'd like to. I, I think that's, I think a lot of us are probably going to do that post pandemic, even before traveling internationally. I think there's going to be a mm-hmm. lot more travel inside Canada. Cause again, like you, I've, well, I've lived in Ontario for 40 years. I was born and raised in Quebec for the first 12 years of my life. I visited New Brunswick once, saw the Bay of Fundy, but I was like 12 at the time. I've been to just the lower mainland of British Columbia, but that was a layover. So there's a lot I haven't seen. I haven't even seen a lot of Ontario. Like, Yeah, I know. There's so just, much of it. <laughs> I think a lot of people tend to, like, in southern Ontario, just kind of like, oh, I'll just hop a plane. But it's like... Um, I haven't been to Tobermory. Yeah, no, neither have I. Yeah. That's uh <laughs> and I'd love to see the North Shore Lake Superior. Um Yeah. Because I find a lot of uh anyone who's sort of familiar with the group of seven, they were sort of inspired yeah. by that landscape. And I, I kind of like sit there going, Yeah, I want to capture that. But it's like, you know, that's on my list of things to do. Yeah, the, no, for sure. Medium term. And I'd, I'd like to do a lot of camping. So I've done some camping around Ontario, but I haven't gone that north. Like, I mean, you know, I've been up to like Sudbury and um, mm. stuff like that in that area anyway. Um, but yeah, I'd like to be camp- like camp on uh, Lake Superior as well. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who goes there every year. It's beautiful. I would say that if you ever get a chance to go to Tobermory, Tobermory is like pretty, it's very picturesque, but also they have all the, like, yeah. the, um, what's the, the Bruce trails up there as well. Yeah. well I guess Bruce Trail is mm-hmm. like all over, but like up there in particular, there is um the cave. There was it the grotto. The grotto that everyone always mm-hmm. like takes photos of. Mm-hmm. I take photo. I like when I went there like yeah. the one time. It's very beautiful and like picturesque. So that's where you could take your your camera. And yeah, take, no, that's the thing. I've seen those pictures, and I'm like, I need, I need to get out there. So also, For if sure. you're into, because like you, you seem to enjoy the decaying and the urban decay landscape. Yes. All the shipwrecks are also in like Tobamari as well. Yeah, so I'd be like, very into that. It's, it's pretty, pretty fun. <laughs> One spot that I would also recommend in uh, northern Ontario is uh, Cobalt. Okay. That was where the um, where a massive silver rush happened in the early 20th century. Just tons of old head frames. Oh, that's cool. a really great spot. I've been there about three times. And how, just how far north is that? Um, it's it's north of North Bay. Okay. Okay. It's on uh, Lake Temiskaming. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if a friend of the podcast has been there. Um, one Julie Douglas. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Find Julie Douglas's uh, Instagram feed, and you'll get okay. an idea. Yeah. I think it's uh, chasing shadows. Or yep. Chasing like yep. Shadows. That's very cool. Yeah. So Becca, I took a look at your uh, Instagram feed a little while ago, and I love your work. It's it's really cool. And one of the things that struck me was um, uh, I see a lot of commonality in the way that you've, uh, I don't know if you've done this on purpose or it's the film stocks you use, but there's number one, a really very cool retro kind of vibe and really that kind of feel to your images, which I find like intriguing. It, it's, it's really, really cool. But your colors, like they're, I don't know how to, how to describe it but they're they're muted yet bold at the same time and i think it's just the way that you kind of i don't know maybe it's your angle or what what you're attracted to when you're when you're out looking tell us a little bit about your approach like when it comes to that sort of everyday sort of urban dwelling kind of photography because i find it really remarkable wow well first of all thank you very much for the kind words that's lovely to hear um yeah, I mean, I definitely do. I've always been drawn to retro and vintage looks. And I definitely, when I am taking pictures, am cognizant of that. Um, I I do 
like to sort of omit anything that could tell you that when the picture was taken. <laughs> um, so I, I, yeah, I do definitely, I, I'm chasing nostalgia, right? Like that's, right. Um, I, I, I think that's all part of the analog camera um, thing, right? When you're carrying that around, you just um, are looking for that. Yeah, I do like to, I guess, capture nostalgia just like we all are in a way. Um, and that's, uh, and yeah, there's feeling and emotion I'm trying to pull out of it as well. And yeah, and well, I think that's you're interesting really, what you say about the colors. Yeah, too, I yeah. think you're really successful at, at, at pulling the emotion. And that, that's, um, I have this saying, it's my kind of E cube thing. And it, it's, it's like four E's and it's like endeavor uh, to evoke emotion every time. So every time I try to take a photo, I'm always looking for emotion in photography and whether or not it's an, uh, it's people photography or if it's something inanimate. Uh, but I really get that feeling that, and, and um, when I'm looking at your work and it, you know, I'm an old fart, so it brings me back to my younger days. Um, uh, and it reminds me of, um, of what I would see when say I would, you know, have a family, like, you know, I grew up in the, uh, in the eighties and nineties. So, um, you know, video games meant that on a Friday night, my parents would take us down to Young Street and we would go uh, play pinball machines and video games in the arcades. And though the lighting just really reminds me of that. So it really takes me back uh, to that era. And it's really impressive that you're able to capture that uh, in, in today's world. So is there anything in your life that like what that like just is that just something you're attracted to or is that just something instinctive for you or did you have any like sort of artistic training and that sort of thing or? Yeah, no, I, I guess it's more of an instinctive thing. I mean, I guess my parents, they were in their 20s and their 80s. So I think that's a big uh, a time era for them, right? Like the music they listen to and stuff like that. Um, I recently acquired my dad's uh, old record player and stuff. And I have that all set up in my living room. So I, like all of that, any of that analog feel thing, I've just always been very attracted to, I guess. it's, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but uh, the same thing with, you know, like old cars and stuff, right? I've always preferred the look of those than versus a new car. Yeah, I, it's, it's hard to describe, but, or know why, but I have always had an affinity for vintage and retro and yeah, it, and again the 80s cameras <laughs> there you go yeah and yeah. I, you know, the, the the sort of tagline chasing nostalgia i think i agree with you that definitely rings true um with probably 99.9 percent of uh of film photographers particularly ones that i think shoot color uh because i think um i find it uh and i guess maybe it's the generation that i grew up in but those muted colors um bring me back to that nostalgic time in my life, I guess, or uh, that time in my life is nostalgic. Uh, and it really does, uh, does bring me back to that. So yeah, very, very impressed uh, uh, with, uh, with the images that you, uh, that you capture, just remarkable work. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things, I think, um, you know, photography, what defines us as artists and photography is the way we see things. And I really dig the way that you, uh, uh, that you see things through your lens and it really does really uh, uh, show through in your work and what, what you've I think in my humble opinion anyway I see a consistency uh, in your style and and that's a very very difficult thing I think for a lot of photographers to uh, uh, to find and to really stick to so all hail very good thank you so much <laughs> I'm like blushing here this is good. thank you this is <laughs> It's, uh, it's, yeah, and yeah, you know yeah, what that's, that's the magic right so yeah I think that is something I you know I think everyone does try to have right a certain style but I also I've always find like I'm always trying to get out of a box where I'm like I need to try different things and stuff but then again bringing your own style to all those different um things that you try with photography uh, I think is I guess important as well and it, it's great to hear that I'm being successful at it uh, so thank you. Yeah, for, for whatever my opinion is worth in terms of exposure, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Which isn't much. Here's a stick of gum. I think you can pull, but uh, oh man. But it, you know, it, <laughs> it is still very true, though. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just one of those things that uh, uh, you know it, it it's uh, you know I, I've I've taught photography um, 
uh, at the college level. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I've always struggled with from the artistic side of anything, and that I've always like tried to talk to, um, you know, colleagues and students and whatever, whoever in photography is, I always find that when I try to remain in the moment of what I'm doing, so I, I kind of have to accept who I am, not who I want to be or what I want the image to be. It's what is the image and who am I at that particular point in time? And I've struggled with that, I think, personally, you know, through my artistic journey a lot. Uh, but then I look at someone like, you know, look at your work and it kind of makes me a little envious, to be quite honest with you, because, um, you know, it's remarkable when you can find someone that, um, uh, you know, can take a picture and that kind of represents who they are and what they're into. And, you know, uh, that's a really cool thing to have. Yeah. Well, thank you again. I think, too, um, and I haven't had any like other than the digital photography class in high school, I haven't had any photography uh, education um or artistic in any like other than high school classes so I mean I did I went to college for television broadcasting but I mean it's very far off from digital uh, analog photography and I think what I I try to bring like I guess a vulnerability to my images um always and also what uh if you look at my Instagram in my bio literally like the tagline is the human condition on 35 millimeter and I recently added and 120. But yeah, so I think I think that's a pretty good description of it is, is yeah, trying to just yeah, and what you were saying too is like who you are in that moment, right? You, you gotta there's gotta be a vulnerability to your work if you want it to have that feeling, right? It's, it's have to yeah, accept and yeah. And I think, yeah. You know, the, that's the tough thing about being an artist, right? It's it's like how do I show my vulnerability to the world through my work. Um, and I think the the way to do that, like one or one of the ways to do that is to just be who you are, you know, mm -hmm. take that picture. Don't worry about what I'm going to do in post and this and that. Am I going to push or pull or, you know, just use your mind's eye, follow your instincts and just press the damn button and see what comes yeah. out. You, I think you'd, oh, you'd sure. surprise yourself. And that's, I'm not speaking to you about that. I'm kind of speaking to the whole world about that. Uh, you know, as, well, as, I'm taking notes, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, Hey, kudos to you. I, I think, I think your work is great. I, uh, I, I, yeah, just good for you. Awesome. Wow. I like all of your guys' work as well. I put that out there. I, you know, Thank see it you. all and thank you and thank you guys for following northern film collective and using the hashtag and stuff uh it's great and yeah because yeah. i the way i see it it's like we it's just like cross-promoting communities and just sort of mm. connect everybody in no yeah. you built a you built an amazing um collection of photog photography on your instagram feed and yeah. i know i love seeing the work pop up on um on mine and then going to the person's account and saving some images that they've done and resharing them on the CCR account. Just yeah. absolutely fantastic. No, that's you know, great. I'm so glad that, yeah, that's working out for you too that way. Yeah. yeah you know, we, we, as a welcoming community as we are, generally speaking, when I, and I think, you know, the film photography could be described, uh, community could be described as that, you know, certainly there's a lot of other issues going on. I think that, that need to be, addressed and, and and dealt with and sometimes there's a fear to push back on uh you know certain stereotypes and assumptions and, and things like that and you know recently there's been a lot of um uh chatter uh you know in the various uh, social media channels about the way women are treated in in photography yeah. and in particular film photography uh, have you had any uh negative positive neutral kind of experiences that you'd like to share in your journey particularly from your perspective yeah I mean there's um in general right I mean I've obviously experienced some negative uh things having to do with my gender and not only in the photography world but even in like the industry I work in right I'm I'm in a male dominated industry and and it's an issue right across like film and photography I would say in general um, as a woman that you've got to have to really like push through some things to be successful in a way that might be a little bit more 
might be a bit easier if you were not female, but, um, and, and again, but also like I've met, like I don't feel excluded from this community either. Uh, I've met a lot of great supportive people. Um, I have like ran into like a few things. Like I started Northern Film Collective on my own, right? Uh, and I did bring in Merlin and uh, another woman, Allie, who lives in BC to help me curate the page. Cause it got to a point where I was feeling a little overwhelmed. It's, you know, posting every day and you get, to, and I'm like, you know, just, yeah, I was overworked. I work a full-time job as well. You on top have a life, right? So we got to remember yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're, you're um, wise to recruit Merlin and Allie. Yeah. Uh, so the one I would say negative experience I've had since that happening is like, I've had people like go through and I think, I don't know if maybe it is a, a male thing, but like people have gone through and just spoken to Merlin instead. And he's had to refer them to me because they just assume that he's the head of things because there's a male name here. So, I mean, that's sort of like kind of experience I've had with that. Um, people like going, and even if someone I've spoken to about things, they've gone around and gone to Merlin to, I don't, I don't know, uh, voice wow. their opinion, but so that sort of thing, right? And Merlin's great. He's, um, I have nothing negative to say about him, but um, also fine with like yeah, Merlin had, too. He's like the first one to be like, no, this is actually Becca. yeah. He's like, he's, yeah. No, you yeah. need to talk to Becca. Merlin's yeah. an awesome dude. Yeah, he's yeah. Amazing, yeah. yeah. In fact, so, we got Merlin on an upcoming episodes. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah so know. I mean, I've little experiences like that, yeah. but uh, for the most part, the it's been in a, I've felt at home in this community. I don't feel. Um, it's been very pretty inclusive, I think, for me. But I know a lot of women do have that experience, and there's uh, there's something to say about it for sure. Kind yeah, of like you echoing know, like your thoughts too, or what what you're saying is that like I find that like my personal experiences, just like in the film community, has been always been like very like welcoming, and like overall like ninety ninety five percent of it's been like amazing and awesome. But every now and then there's like the the five percent was like oh that was a bit of a an odd comment, but yeah, for the most part I feel like especially like, cause I was like, welcome to like the CCR community as well. And they're just like lovely, lovely gentlemen. So. Yeah. Who us? Uh? <laughs> us? Who are you talking about here? <laughs> Wait yeah, a minute. Yeah, now I'm watching. I'm getting paid for that comment, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> here, here's an exposure dollar for you. I was you. just going to say. <laughs> yeah. You could save up then their exposure dollars for a Zeiss lens. Don't worry. The check <laughs> in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, 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 you know, one of the things that, um, I've had an opportunity to reflect on, and it's really just frankly been over the last few days because there's been a lot of chatter um, about how women um, uh, have, uh, you know, some some women photographers have recently shared their experiences. And, you know, I, I'm just, it's just something I just wasn't aware of. Like, you know, I, you know, like little things like, you know, they see a, a male sort of oriented name on a, on a, on a page or on a post and rather than doing the research and finding out, well, who do I contact about, you know, who runs this page or whose work this is, they just gravitate towards the the masculine um, uh, entity around that page. And it's, it's I, you know, it's, it's like little things that just add up to this massive stereotypical, you know, behavior and this narrative that, you know, I don't yeah. know. It, it's heartbreaking, thing, right? frankly, to me. I, I, a lot of people, I don't even think they realize they're doing it, right? It's a subconscious thing that society has um, imprinted on you or whatever. Um, but yeah, you don't even realize you're doing it. You just, you, you see the male name and you're like, oh, like, yeah, it's not like it's a conscious thing, but it is still an issue that needs to be, you know, addressed and reworked, right? In order to make things yeah. better. So, mm. yeah. You know, and, and it's funny, like, and, now, and I think more and more about it. And as, you know, as big of a fan I am of like photographers like Diane Arbus and Vivian Meyer and um, um, uh, Annie Leibovitz, like Ann Geddes, all of these big name photographers, you know, I have never once heard a debate on the quality of Cartier-Bresson's work um, or any other, or Ansel Adams, like none of their work has ever been questioned. But I've always rep come across a debate about a female photographer's work, and it's and it's never dawned on me until recently. Like, why is that? It's yeah. just bloody damn good work. And mm -hmm. I could, if I were to list my top ten photographers, the top five are all female. 
And and then I wonder, why is there this debate? Not that my opinion matters, but why is, you know, why is there this debate on female photographers' work and there is an absence of debate on male photographers' work in terms of quality? You know, and until you really sit down and start thinking about this stuff, you know, you got to realize that we got to take action to to stop that, mm-hmm. you know, from mm-hmm. happening. And it, it's it, it, it's frustrating. And I I'm, and that's my male perspective. So I, I couldn't imagine, you know, what it's like to walk in, in a female artist's shoes or any woman's shoes that has to deal regardless of what industry or artistic, uh, you know, vocation you might be into. It's, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, it spans all um departments and categories right so yeah we're not alone and I, and I'd, I'd like to say this uh, community is uh, quite inclusive and welcoming um but again yeah it's something you that it's there it's present it's omnipresent everywhere right so yeah unfortunately not just in film just like like yeah like i guess it's like, kind of like everywhere yeah, I mean, like it's half the reason why I short my name just to Chris because it's just like it can go either way. No one really ever knows. Yeah, and just kind of like <laughs> leave it at that. Just like see what yeah. happens. What do you? Progenous. What do you, female people here, think that we could do as <laughs> as males in 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 the photography community to help change that narrative? Well. Um, well, I think what you were saying is already a good start, right? Um, that whole, just talking about this, right? And talking to your peers and male counterparts about it and opening up this conversation. Because like like you said, you wouldn't even realize, right? Until it was brought to your attention. So I think just bringing more attention to it and like calling your friends out on it, right? Is really what is most important. Um, and that whole, like you're to saying. Talk too, like- yeah, exactly. I find that like a lot of times people would kind of just like see like the status quo is like, oh, this has always just been like for lack of a better like phrase, like very sit head, like white male dominated industry. Yeah. And just like noticing or just like kind of like realizing like, oh yeah, like Diane Arbiz is like a great photographer and like same thing like mm-hmm. we admire. And it's not just like not just like Ansel Adams as an example. So just like bringing it up and not being afraid mm-hmm. of being like, hey, this person is a great photographer. Yeah. And then when people are being like silly for lack of a better word just like don't be afraid to be like hey that's a silly comment so. yeah speak up yeah mm-hmm. definitely well i can tell you my personally I, that is something that i am i've committed myself to working on and uh i think all of all of us here in, the, in this podcast team have also committed to doing that and yeah you know it, it's it's crazy like you know you think about everybody talks about Ansel Adams and nobody talks about Dorothea Lange like that that was that whole you know that generation of 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 uh of photographers in that era and they just talk about the male ones it's just yeah and it's something that yeah I I just really never thought about until this started you know coming up and I've, I've you know always considered myself um to view men and women equally. And um, then I realized, well, wow, my thoughts and my, my intention versus my execution are kind of miles apart here. So, and I I think a lot of men have to really sit down and, and, and think about that because, you know, you might think a big picture idea and, and certainly buy into that concept, but then somewhere in translation that gets lost and how you conduct yourself in, in day-to-day life. And, And I think if we, if we dedicate more time, you know, to thinking about that as men, um, you know, that is what, that is what is going to foster the change among other yeah. men, you know? Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Right. Um, and as much as I can sit here and talk about it, um, it, it, it needs to be men, right. That uh, say this to other men. And um, unfortunately, because uh, I'll, I'll jump in with, with one thing. It's sort of ironic that we see, I, Characteristics of uh, effective photographers, uh, you know, photographers who who are always willing to learn new things and as well to be perceptive and seeing new things, new ideas to shoot, that kind of thing. Why can't we take that desire for new knowledge and uh, looking for new ways of seeing things and apply it to uh, to female photographers and not just our own work? And it seems yeah. like you know, we still it's it's the blinders that we that we're wearing 
that uh, that we have to cast off. You know, it, and it can't help but but also make us better photographers. And also, in addition to making photography a more equitable space. Yeah, no, I think that's a thing too, right? As a lot of photographers, they sort of focus on particular works and artists, right? And not and yeah, you have to branch out and experience all those different um works and uh yeah that's how you find other cooler photographers right when you're looking at stuff that you usually wouldn't and there's a lot of really good female photographers film or otherwise um that are probably running like you know are working under the radar so yeah and it's very true and it's such a true statement like that if you want to grow um as an artist especially a visual artist and photography really is the art of seeing things and if we limit ourselves um, because of our own perceived biases on 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 other people and other genders and and other lifestyles, uh, we limit ourselves to what we're actually able to see and what is really attractive and what is beautiful in the everyday world. You know, and I think uh, your work speaks to that. Like if I look at your work, I look at that and I'm like, oh, wow, that's a neon sign. But wow, it's beautiful. You know, that's a car from 1979. And so what? But hey, the way you have captured it is beautiful. And I think if you want to grow as an artist, start opening yourself up, open your mind before you open your eyes. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it will help the entire world. Yeah. And otherwise you're missing out. Right. So it's like an entire like another perspective that like that you're like you said like this entire perspective that you're like, kind of missing out on and so it's mm-hmm. yeah okay i'm gonna now light the campfire and we're gonna sing kumbaya <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of hard on an afternoon like this <laughs> yeah but yeah, no, not yeah. to make light of that situation at all i think you know it's incumbent upon all of us to open our mm-hmm. minds to other people so yeah. um, and it's not easy no, I mean, it takes work, right? Just like anything else that's good. Mm. Yeah, you got to put effort in. That's life. Yeah. So <laughs> what's next on your uh, project hit list besides potentially another photo book? Huh. Uh, I, well, for myself, personally, I, w- I would like to release a photo book of my own. Um, I'm starting to maybe put some ideas together with that. Um, and then with the collective, again, uh, eventually it'll be another book I, i'd like to see more than just potentially I, I i am committed i think to doing that um and maybe one day in-person meetups as of right now so with the page and everything uh i mean i don't know i'll have to talk to my crew but uh there's lots of things and ideas that we bounce off of each other and stuff and things we'd like to do more in the future and just more engagement again on mm-hmm. on, on instagram and everything so maybe just smaller spotlights on photographers and things like that. We're all just busy, very busy people. So it's hard, but we will be doing things for sure. Yeah. What about, what about uh, the podcast? What are, what are you guys? If, if someone wants to submit something to volume two, because I feel really bad about missing <laughs> the, uh, missing the, um, the submission for volume one, how does someone submit something for volume two? So when I submissions aren't really open right now, but I will, when they are. I'll make announcement when they are, uh, we just took them by email. So however okay. you want to submit, you can email them directly as attachments cool. or, um, you know, Dropbox or not, or yeah, Dropbox folder or Google drive or we transfer whoever you awesome. usually share your files. Yeah. You can, you can make it work. So analog awesome. carrier pigeon then. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I think I'll I know someone <laughs> who does carrier pigeons. <laughs> now, awesome. well, guys, it's we've come to the end of another episode. It's Bill Smith. Uh, stay cool and shoot tons of film. Okay, this is the outro now. Oh, okay, I guess I'll go then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get yeah, back we to wake them up. <laughs> something super witty and. Uh, and then she'll be all all ready to go as the pressure builds up. I can see the wheels in her mind spinning. As, as it's okay. I, I just use the same one every single time. So <laughs> anyway, you just got to remember is... to say it properly of that yeah. slurring. Uh, <laughs> Without this slurring, is... yeah. <laughs> this is James Lee. Get out there, challenge yourself, 
be who you are, share your work, you know, and be happy and just get out there and shoot some film. Uh, this is Chris just saying, uh, see you later, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Uh, this is Alex Lokes. Um, get out there, stay safe, wash your hands, get vaccinated, wear a mask. We love you. This is Becca. Uh, stay vulnerable and safe, and thank you. And this is John Meadows. A lens works a lot better when you take a lens cap off. Same thing with your brain. <laughs>